Hello and welcome to Allegedly Astrology. Each week we break down the astrology that happened during some of the biggest scandals and events in history. As always, thank you to everyone for listening. And if you want to support us even more, you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or subscribe on whatever podcast platform you listen on. And if you do leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or now Spotify and DM us a screenshot of that review, we'll make you a custom meme of your big three and send you a quick write-up about it. We also have extremely cool Allegedly Astrology stuff, so go head over to Tee Public to check that out. And make sure you follow us. We're literally on all the social media sites at this point. Allegedly Astrology for all of them except Twitter, which is Allegedly Astro. And you could visit our website, allegedlyastrology.com, to learn more about us, book a reading with Dana, and read some of the transcripts for select episodes. So, Dana, now's a good time to find out what we're talking about today, don't you think? I do think. <laughs> and today we're talking about Frida Kahlo. <laughs> yes. Frida Kahlo is a selfie queen, cultural icon, fashion icon, feminist icon, queer icon, and influential Mexican painter. She's known for her self-portraits and her super salacious and dramatic life. She was in a horrific bus accident at a young age, hooked up with a ton of men and women, had a real roller coaster relationship with her husband, and was all about the Communist Party. Her life is super duper interesting, and people are obsessed with her and her very prominent eyebrows. <laughs> so let's learn more about her life that inspired tons of merch, books, movies, and art long after her death. Merch queen Frida Kahlo. Merch queen. Truly. <laughs> yeah, and she knew about eyebrows before any of us were filling them in. <laughs> she really did. So Frida was born Magdalena Carmen Frida Kahlo y Calderon to a German father and Mexican mother. She had three other sisters, but she was for sure her dad's favorite. As am I. I mean, I'm the only girl. <laughs> but well, you have something in common. <laughs> <laughs> but she was a real tomboy and played a lot of sports. But she also had health problems. She got polio and always had like a slight limp in her leg from then on. And then as she got older, she wanted to study medicine. So she went to school to study biology, zoology, and anatomy. So what are her big three? Love a fashion limp. <laughs> she was born on July 6, 1907 at 8.30 a.m. in Cayoacan, Mexico. Is that how you say it, Sarah? Um, I don't know. Even when we went to that area, I no one knew how to pronounce it. It's Cayoacan. She, um, she has the same birthday as my mom. Oh, cute. Oh, cute. Arlene. Arlene. Okay. So shout out to Arlene. Um, Frida had a Cancer Sun, Taurus Moon, and a Leo Rising, and I love this for her. I once saw someone tweet that Cancer suns are what we think Scorpio suns are, and I think it's funny and arguably <laughs> true. So Cancers are, like, dark and moody and extremely funny, uh, and especially for Frida Kahlo, since she has her Cancer sun in her natal 12th house, which is the house of, like, gestation, self-destruction, and self-undoing, solitude and meditation and mental health and illness and sometimes physical health and illness. This will, like, add some darkness to her uh, sun, which is, like, the luminary of light, right? It's also the house of sleep, and I believe it's the house of sex in Vedic astrology, which she was very much a sexual icon. And her natal sun is conjunct Neptune within one degree, and she was born four days before a solar eclipse in Cancer, conjunct Neptune and Jupiter. The solar eclipse is when the sun and the moon are in the eclipse. It's like a new moon. And Neptune is the planet of actors and artists. Uh, it's taking one thing and converting it into something else. And similarly, Jupiter is a planet of con- of like integration. And it heals and repairs. And so this is, like, very big artist energy. Um, Wait, there's something – 
I'm obsessed with this psyllium she has in the 12th because most of her life and like her best art was made when she was literally like alone, like sick on her back. So it's interesting because like the 12th house, I feel like everybody is like creeped out about, but her Jupiter is here and obviously Neptune, but she got so much like abundance and like luck from this like very dark place. And it's a great example of how like someone can be a a lot of times 12th house, I see stuff, 12th house strand or like stelliums or placements kind of um, either lamented in your own chart or like fetishized in a certain way. And I feel like I know a lot of people who I know have many friends with 12th house stelliums who are extremely productive and not like in light, but also just sort of like she was very productive with it. You know, she also, like you said, she was on her back. It's opposite Capricorn and she has significant Capricorn placements too. And Capricorn is the back. So yeah, that's mm. pretty cool. So anyway, her moon is in Taurus, where it's exalted and super potent since it's in the final degree of Taurus at 29 degrees. And Taurus moons are comforted by art, music, poetry, luxury, lounging, and sometimes even weed. I don't know if she did that. Um, (laughs) I feel like we could safely say she probably dabbled. She probably did weed. (laughs) She did weed. She did some weed. (laughs) Taurus moons are like chill and easy to be around. They can also be stubborn or sleepy, and we love them here at Allegedly Astrology. And her Leo rising is going to make her like a total peacock. Leo is a sign of the artist, as well as like Taurus and Pisces are artist signs. Uh, And Leo is like the performer archetype. So like no emotions go unused for a performer or a Leo. And Leo is ruled by the sun and Frida's sun-Neptune-Jupiter conjunction is going to make her like especially adept at converting feelings into something useful or beautiful. So like experimentation is also her forte. Yeah. I mean, Leo rising, like she was so known for her fashion, which was like so maximalist. So I mean. With that Jupiter too then? Like being in conjunction with her chart ruler? Oh, yeah. Like, you saw her and you were like, that's a Leo. <laughs> like, even yeah. if you didn't know, you would know. Um, So she's living her life. Then on one gray, rainy day, she gets on a bus with her boyfriend that, honestly, this bus ride changed her life forever and ever. That's because moments after sitting in the back of the bus, the bus she was on was struck in the side by an electric streetcar. And this was a very serious accident, and several people died on the scene. Though her boyfriend was fine, the same could not be said for Frida. A metal handrail from the bus broke off and had pierced her pelvis, Mm. which sounds so painful. Then she was taken to the hospital. People didn't think she would survive. Her spine was fractured in three places. Her pelvis was crushed, and her right leg and foot were broken. So this was very, very serious. What was going on on the day that this accident happened? So this was September 17th, 1925 in Mexico City, Mexico. And on this day, okay, so the accident occurred on a new moon in Virgo conjunct Mars. And Virgo is a sign of health and Mars is a sign of injury and puncture wounds. Um, The loudest transit in this chart, though, is Neptune exactly conjunct her natal ascendant. Neptune is a slow planet with like 165 year orbit. So it it spends a lot of time in a certain sign and it like is extremely significant when it crosses major points in your chart. It symbolizes confusion and it's conversion. So her natal Neptune is conjunct her sun, which is her chart ruler for natal chart. So this is kind of one of those transits where like something happens that was always going to happen. Neptune is a very significant planet for her and it's conjunct the chart ruler, which is who she is. So Neptune crossing her ascendant is sort of like bringing that from her 12th into her first sort of like this faded event. 
And she was like months away from her first nodal return, which was triggered two months prior by a solar eclipse in Cancer, which is her natal 12th house, which, and sometimes like the 12th house relates to things you never see coming. Uh, eclipses are also are like things you never see coming. And so an accident is something you never see coming. And Jupiter is in tight opposition with her natal sun and Neptune, um, which is means it's also in tight conjunction with her natal Mars retrograde in Capricorn. So this is activating her natal Neptune, which is confusion, and Mars is injury and accidents. And like Mars and Neptune aspects um, or transits often relate to accidents. And if Mercury's in the mix, definitely like car accidents. Whoa. Yeah. That's crazy. And also just like that eclipse, yeah. like kind of kicking it all off because this is kind of where her like solitude begins. Wild. And also isn't the 12th house hospitals? Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. So after this happened, she had to stay in the hospital for a month. And she also had to wear this plastic corset from then on for the rest of her life because her spine was like literally just like jello. <laughs> and oh after this time, she started to paint because she had to stay in bed for three months and there was no internet. So she was like, well, I guess I'll learn to paint because I have nothing else better to do. <gasps> and after she recovered, Frida joined the Mexican Communist Party and for the rest of her life remained very into politics. It was at a Communist Party event where she ran into her future husband, muralist Diego Rivera, but this actually wasn't their first meeting. They had actually met when she was 16 and he was 37. Creepy. Yep. Diego had been working on a mural at her school, and apparently she played a bunch of pranks on him during this time, like stealing his lunch and soaping up the steps where he was working <laughs> so he slipped. So lots of, like, playful banter, and she sounds like a really fun Trying high schooler. Trying to injure somebody. She, I love that. <laughs> I love that. Oh, my God. Diego, though, like, when I went to the Frida Kahlo house, I didn't know. Like, I had heard his name before, but I didn't know what he looked like. And then I was looking at these pictures they have on the wall and I was like, who is that absolute monster? Because he, it, like, no offense to him, but, like, he was disgusting. And, and he was, like, super cute. And she's a Leo rising, like, so appearance is. Yeah, that's But I guess really her appearance weird. is the primary concern, is Leo rising. Yeah. I'm, like, in a, interested when we start talking about their sinistry. So when she saw Diego again, um, she had been doing her art. So this was, like, years later. And she's like, yo, what do you think of my art? And he was like, hey, you're actually, like, pretty good. You should paint. And you should also date me. So they did. They started dating. And everyone thought they were just, like, a real freak pairing. Diego was a celebrated artist. And he was, like, a very big, well-known communist. And he was six feet tall, so he was super tall. And he was just also, like, fat as hell. Like, he was 300 pounds and, like, no judgment to being cross-eyed. But his eyes literally went in two different directions. Oh, my God. Like, noticeably. But people said he was very charismatic and charming. So he did get a lot of girls. That's like, he so got... Crazy. He was a Leo rising, too. Ooh. Um, but Frida was 21 years younger and was, like, this tiny, super, like, very pretty girl... But they were very into each other. So what is their sinistry? So what is the sinistry of two wealthy communists? Let's find out. <laughs> she was born on December 8th, 1886 in Guanajuato, Mexico. And Diego's Neptune is conjunct Frida's natal moon and midheaven in Taurus. And he also has his moon in Taurus. So moons in the same sign indicate emotional affinity since the moon is feelings and safety. And it also means that they'll be experiencing the same transits to their natal moons around the same times. We don't know the exact degree of his natal moon but still like 
it'll be a window of time where, where similar things like could happen to them. And like it can obviously manifest, you know, differently based on their lives and everything and circumstances, but still. So this Neptune conjunct her natal moon and midheaven is cool also since she already has such a familiarity with her natal Neptune conjunct her natal sign. Like she's familiar with this Neptunian energy and it's hitting her other luminary. And she was in a major bus accident where Neptune was on her ascendant. So meeting Diego maybe felt like getting slammed with a bus of love, you know? <laughs> um, and like Neptune's industry is also apt for an artist couple or anyone. It just kind of really thins like that sort of... Sometimes with Neptune, it can make people project too much but for artists they're already used to like translating any sort of projection into another like you know medium so i i just like that a lot they also both have mars and capricorn where it's exalted uh which means they will like have similar styles for fighting and fucking mars is the planet of fighting and fucking and in capricorn that style is like putting in work and like getting the job done by any means necessary which sounds hot and i mean like diego had his eyes on everything all the time right so it's very mars and capricorn well Easy to do when your eyes go into yeah. different directions, I guess. <laughs> it's not even a good joke. It's just so funny. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just had to say No, not it. you. I was me. No, yours is funny. <laughs> okay. And her, his natal Chiron is conjunct her natal Venus Pluto conjunction in Gemini. And this is like sexual healing on its hilt whirl. Gemini <laughs> is quick and chaotic, of course. And Venus is the planet of love. Pluto is power and frequently relates to like sex or, you know, kink since I think to me, those are similar things. And sex is like the medium where people work out their unconscious. And so Pluto is also kind of like depth psychology. And Chiron is like healing. It's like taking off the bandage and putting on the Neosporin. So this is like cute and fun and very horny. He was a Sag Stellium. Mm-hmm. He probably was very fun and Sag Venus. So that's probably why he was cheating on everyone. <laughs> From a Sag Venus herself. From a Sag Venus. <laughs> yes. Well, speaking of, uh, there were tons of flags with their relationship. For starters, Diego was married when he met Frida, but that didn't stop him from trying to date her. He was also married twice before, and spoiler alert, he did end up marrying Frida. Their friends were not into the idea of them being together, and neither were her parents, and one of Frida's friends even called Diego a, quote, pot-bellied, filthy old man. Just savage. Quote, like Tony Soprano. Which I wish I could say that in Spanish. <laughs> I wish you could, too. Oh, my God. I bet it would sound so fun. I know. I forgot. You know who could I say it? Olaria Baldwin. Is- yeah, she could have. She can't could say she cucumber, though. though. Could she have? I think cerdo is pig in Spanish. That I think cerdo. Similar or yeah. familiar. Well, eventually, um, they did get married, and her parents, because everyone just, like, really just shit on him all the time, it seems like, her parents described their relationship as the marriage between an <laughs> elephant and a dove. Oh, my God. <laughs> so what was happening on their wedding day? They were married on August 21st, 1929. And so Venus uh, was conjunct Pluto in Cancer on this day. And so this is major for, you know, some reasons. The first is that it's in Cancer and they both have significant Cancer placements. Frida has her son, Jupiter, Neptune, and North Node uh, stellium in Cancer. And Diego has his natal Saturn in Cancer. And Venus is love. And Pluto, again, is everything we just said. Death, psychology, sex. It's like magnanimous. And it makes anything it aspects like fraught and horny or just sort of like, it's like weighted. And in Cancer, this is going to be like very wet and kind of cold uh, in like a solemn Catholic schoolgirl way. It's also significant because Frida has this aspect natally, her natal Venus and Pluto are conjunct. So whenever like a natal aspect occurs in transit, we might also sort of feel that familiar heaviness. It's it's significant, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. I wonder how she felt on this day. 
doesn't seem like a like an overwhelmingly joyous day for her. Well, Venus and Pluto is on her Jupiter and Jupiter celebrations, and his Saturn is on her Jupiter. So it could just be like zhuzhing up that whole... Saturn is like mm. bondage, and Jupiter is like... I'm not familiar enough with kink. <laughs> but, but it's all this energy, Venus, Pluto, Saturn, Jupiter, they're like... It's like celebration. Also, she's marrying someone older, so... That's where Saturn can come in. Yeah. I feel like it's probably one of those things to like. Oh, he's you know, fat. That's where Jupiter comes in. <laughs> Still body shaming him. But I feel like also, too, it's like it was probably clear that everyone at this wedding like wasn't into it. So I feel like sometimes it makes you more into the person when you yeah, know definitely. everyone hates them. Definitely. Especially you know? for people with like a Sagittarius Gemini placements, you know? Yeah. Just. <laughs> psychos so they get married um they eventually move to the united states for a few years because diego at this point is like a pretty big deal so people keep throwing money at him to like come to different cities to paint murals so they lived in quite a few cities in the u.s they lived in san francisco then they moved to new york and then detroit which detroit for some reason really surprised me but During this time, Frida was having a lot of problems with her health, and she also had a few miscarriages, which made her super depressed because, like, yeah, sad. And throughout her life, especially during this time, she had chronic pain, and her mom died, so it was just, like, all these things at once. So during this time, she was, like, very devastated and just in a very dark place. And Frida took these negative feelings and depression and channeled them into her art, which helped her create some of her most intensely personal works. Her art focused on the themes of death, chronic pain, and the human body, and she focused a lot on self-portraits. She was very inspired by Mexican folk art and used bright, vibrant colors. The way she painted was very sort of fantastical, mixed with realistic elements, and even so, people associate her with the surrealist movement, and the surrealist movement was a type of art that showed these sort of like strange abstract scenes, but Frida did not associate herself with surrealism. Surrealism is my favorite. Something uh, uh, that someone else put on her, but she did not accept that. (laughs) No, she did not accept that. But once again, all of this to me is like just so 12th house, but also with a sprinkling of that like Leo rising. It's like, I'm going to take all this sad ass shit and then I'm going to like make it into bright art with like little monkeys (laughs) in it and stuff like that. (laughs) Um, Besides her art, she was also very well known for the way she dressed. She was very much into her Mexican heritage. So she started wearing this traditional um, Tijuana dress, which included like very Lana Del Rey vibes. It was like a flowered headdress. And then after that, nothing is Lana Del Rey. It was like a loose shirt, jewelry, and a really big skirt. She was very, I know, it's honestly really cool looking. She was really big on maximalism, and her style was very, they call it like beautiful ugly. Like, I think her in general made it beautiful, and it was so brightly colored. But like, if a normal person wore it, you would be like, what the fuck is that trash person (laughs) doing? Um, But something that I really liked learning about her was that she embellished the things that she was insecure about, which I feel like is a very fashiony thing to do. So, you know, she had to wear a corset her whole life because her spine was like not real anymore. But what she did was she put like feathers on her corset and she put like jewels and like pearls and wore it like on the outside of her clothing sometimes. So it became this like statement piece. Um, and then it became like cool artwork and now like designers kind of like nod back to her cool. all the time. 
That is very cool. And yeah, fashion people are obsessed with her because she had a lot of attitude with how she dressed. Designers are still inspired by her. Celebrities are inspired by her. Beyonce was Frida for Halloween once, and even Kim Kardashian wore a dress that was inspired by her artwork, which don't know how Frida would have feel about that, but you know, <laughs> whatever. Um, so Frida was very known for her aesthetic. Dana, is there anything in her chart that might reflect your penchant for fashion? Si. Uh, so Frida's Midheaven is in Taurus which is a sign known for style and grace. And the Midheaven is what we're known for and how we're seen in the public um, and in famous people's charts. It's also publicity. Her moon is also on her Midheaven in Taurus. And the moon is like feelings as well as the body. So for a Taurus moon, fashion and adornment are like a form of therapy. And Taurus is ruled by Venus and her natal Venus is conjunct Pluto and Gemini. And once again, this aspect is like total freak mode. Taurus <laughs> is associated with like great taste, but rarely like originality and never loudness. But like this aspect totally judges up that like sort of moon midheaven conjunction. And it becomes what she's known for, which is what the midheaven is. And so since like Gemini is her 11th house, it's especially lasting since the 11th house relates to our audiences and like when we're alive and also after we are dead. And she's a Leo rising, and a Leo rising wants to be seen at the end of the day doing anything. So, like, forcing people to see her is a really great start. Love it. Love it. So, in 1938, Frida's art was finally starting to get recognized. You know, she was, like, her and her husband, they're chilling in artist circles. Like, she's kind of like, look at my art, friend. And they're starting to talk about her talent. Eventually, she had her first solo exhibition ever in New York, which is a very big deal. And she even went to Paris to, like, show off her shit. And the Louvre bought, like, one of her artworks. Though her Mm -hmm. career was starting to take off, like, her marriage was just, like, really in the shitter. Yeah. Her marriage with Diego was unsurprisingly very tumultuous. Diego was known for running around town with other women. Frida also cheated on him a ton too, though, both with men and women. And in fact, one notable hookup of hers was Leon Trotsky, who was the famous Marxist. (laughs) Remember when Dana thought she was a Marxist for like two years? Yeah, I thought I was a Marxist, then I thought I was a neo-Marxist, and I still don't know what either of them are. So I resolved that I probably (laughs) might not be either. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, former former uh, neo Marxist, yeah, Franco over here, fairly liberal person, I guess. <laughs> um, but no matter how many affairs Frida had, she was still very emotionally attached to Diego. So when Frida would find out that he was cheating, she would get very sick and depressed. But her illness would go away the moment he came back to her. So this was sort of like the pattern on and off again, on and off again, until Diego cheated on Frida with her own younger sister. Which, pig. way too far. Line was crossed. Yeah. Complete pig. So <laughs> Complete they, got di- pig. <laughs> they got divorced uh, finally. And what was their chart like? So that was on November that 6, 1939. And Chiron was in cancer. And Chiron, again, is a comet of wounding. And on that day when they got divorced, it was exactly conjunct Frida's Jupiter and Diego's Saturn. And Jupiter and Saturn are the original slow planets, meaning they, like, mark significant turning points in our lives when they transit our natal planets or, like, receive transits. Because, like, they just, like, hang out longer in certain areas of the chart. So it's things that unfold over a period of time. It's an era as opposed to a day or a week. Mars is also conjunct Frida's descendant, which is, like, almost too on the nose. Mars is the planet of severance and the descendant is, like, marriage, contracts, and committed partnership. So this is just axing that. And then also Uranus is in Taurus, where both of them have their natal moons, and Frida has her midheaven there as well. The moon is emotions and security, and uh, the midheaven is social status, and Uranus is major changes. So this, I think, speaks for itself. 
um, the North Node is conjunct Diego's Jupiter in Libra, and Jupiter is like beneficence, integration, reparation, belief. And in Libra, it's going to channel like all those things through relationships and fashion. Jupiter in Libra is often a really fashionable placement. But anyway, the North Node is also like a point of increase in faded events. So this is kind of an example of something where maybe it would be predicted as an exciting, great time, but there's something else in store for you. So sometimes great, tra- like things that look like great aren't so great. And things that ones that like look bad end up kind of being like really good or helpful. But wouldn't you assume, wouldn't you assume that get divorcing this douchebag is a good thing? <laughs> but he has this transit happening to him. So. Oh, he so, has this transit. Yeah. I guess also in, I think Vedic astrology, again, the nodes are malefic always. But in, like, evolutionary yeah. modern astrology, I think a lot of times they're – especially the North Node is associated with, like, evolution. I just sort of associate them as, like, twisting turning points, things that are – Twisty turning points. And, like, heavy. Almost astronomical. I also – yeah. I also feel like the Jupiter North Node thing in Libra is just, like, freedom. Oh, like yeah. Like, you're getting your chance yes. to, like, go flirt with other yeah. people now. Like – you ain't got no wife. You ain't got no wife. <laughs> you're free. Guess what? Now you're really free. How about that? How about that, Diego? <laughs> Elephant. Your dove is gone. She's flying away. <laughs> so speaking of the dove, Frida moves out of the house she lives in with Diego. And during this time, she's honestly just like cranking out all this art. And this art that she's making becomes some of her most famous works eventually. And she was... Also, though, just like drinking a ton um, because she was super sad still about her divorce from Diego. Yeah. And a mutual friend of the former husband and wife wrote to Frida and told her that Frida should get back together with Diego because everyone knows he has two great loves, painting and women. And he's never going to be with only one woman. So you might as well just be married to him, which honestly, this does not track for yeah, me. I would be like, I don't care. No, no. I just realized now they are honestly the old school Chloe and Tristan. Because remember how Tristan's friend was yeah. like, oh, he just, he's not mean. He just wants to do whatever the he just, hell he wants. He just is only interested in his own motives and his own interests. <laughs> he's not an asshole. He's just a pure narcissist. It's fine. <laughs> so sadly much like chloe frida was like you know what i guess this is like pretty reasonable so she decides to remarry diego but she does have two conditions um no sex and no money the first one is pretty self-explanatory but the second one no money meant that like they would split everything 50 50 and he agreed so they got married so what was going on for Jesus round two? All right. So this was December 8th, 1940, which is Diego's birthday. So it coincides with like his, it's his solar return. He literally got married on his birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday, Diego. <laughs> We're not going to fuck ever again. But let's be roommates. How about that? Oh, um, God. <laughs> that basically was what it was. It also coincided with like not the exact day of the Great Conjunction in Taurus, but the Great Conjunction in Taurus. And we've talked a lot about Great Conjunctions on other episodes that you can go back and listen to. We've also talked a lot about how significant Taurus is for them as a couple, right? And so here we have these two things coming together. The Great Conjunction is often like societal, but when it happens to your major placements, it also is significant, especially if you're famous. And so and the Great Conjunction is like – uh when Jupiter can join Saturn. And here they are co-present with Uranus and Taurus. 
And so for them, it's it's in the sign of their moon. So it's realigning their feelings. And Uranus is exactly conjunct Frida's midheaven when this happens, when they like got remarried, which I assume was just like signing a contract since it seemed really not romantic at all. Um, <laughs> and like since the midheaven relates to social status, it's like really on the nose, though, with Uranus there. Uh, it's like completely renegotiating her contract with her ex-husband to be like marriage again, but her style and like not at all traditional. Uranus is like the Joker. It's not associated with tradition. It's associated with diverting from tradition. And this is a very unique marriage contract. Like they are freak mode, sicko mode or whatever. <laughs> Major freak mode. Children say. <laughs> and not at all surprisingly, Though they got married again, the exact same problems from their first marriage still went on. Diego still cheated on her um, with models that he painted, which is, like, gross. And they got into a lot of fights. Frida also had affairs with both men and women on the side, too, but it didn't make her feel any better. It was just everything was just back to square one. Yeah. And as Frida got older, her health really began to decline. You know, she wasn't even that old. She was in her 40s, but she had a ton of painful operations that she had to go through. And eventually her right leg was even amputated. And to deal with the pain, she just like drank a ton. And eventually she became addicted to painkillers. And sadly, she died at the age of 47, which is super young. Some people think that she committed suicide, but her official cause of death was a pulmonary embolism, which is a blood clot in your lungs. So what was going on that day? That was July 13th, 1954. And okay, so this is like a very wild chart. I had to select some things. Um, On the day Frida died, Mars was conjunct her lot of death to the degree oh damn right and so lots are conceptual i wonder if she did kill herself then because mars mars i feel like is it could be well mars like she has a day chart which means the sun is above the horizon so mars is the most challenging planet in her chart and her natal mars is exalted in capricorn so it's dignified but it's retrograde and so it's just sort of like very loud right like and so many things happened to her where i feel like she was cut open Mm, yeah true she had Mm -hmm. so many surgeries right so yeah, so lot, like lots of these like conceptual points um, in a chart that are based on calculations of other chart points, and they were like utilized a lot by ancient astrologers, and they've been revived, you know, in the past few decades. So they're fascinating, and I don't work with them with a ton. Just randomly decided to look up hers today, so it's pretty wild that we have this. <laughs> I also need people to know that conjunctions to your lot of death will happen every year. The moon will conjoin it once a month. It does not mean that it's your death. So let's look at why it was for her. <laughs> <laughs> so like. Frida had entered a 12th house year the week prior and the 12th house is the house that symbolizes gestation periods also like death it's like where we're in our mother's womb so it's also kind of like where we're you know going back um and cancer's on her 12th house so this sign's also activating like it's her it means that her the moon is her time lord but it's also activating her natal sun mars opposition and so the sun is her chart ruler and the chart ruler is who we are in our chart so this is her it's activating her spirit and her body as well and Pluto was exactly conjunct her ascendant on this day. Pluto is power and death. Uranus was exactly conjunct her north node on this day in her activated house. And it's like the eclipse point that relates to fate, you know, just like heavy moments. Uranus is sudden plots twists. So that's sort of that. The south node is conjunct her natal sun. And the south node relates to decrease and like removal. And again, the sun is her spirit and her body and her chart ruler. So this also coincides with her nodal opposition. My God. <laughs> and that happens every 19 years. 
And it corresponds to the 27 Club. So maybe maybe there's like a, also a 46-47 Club in Hollywood. I don't know. Wow. But then also I had to check her secondary progress chart. And in her secondary progressions, Mars is conjunct both Uranus and her IC. So Uranus was conjunct Kobe's IC when he died, tragically. Wow. Um, and again, Uranus's plot twists. Um, it also it shows up a lot in death charts, uh, just because it's like shocking. And the IC is great endings and great beginnings, and it's also very much activated in death charts. And Mars is severance. Again, Mars is the most challenging planet in her chart because she's a day chart, and it's activated like at least three times that I just listed, which I did because Mars on the death point isn't going to be death unless like activated over and over again and even then it might not be right so also finally the nail in the coffin (laughs) is that seven thousand things the moon crossed her lot of death that day like so it crossed it met mars and crossed her lot of death so the moon is like her time lord and it like rules so many planets in her chart and whenever the moon like in just general astrology it like activates the heavens on earth so it like manifests astrology into our reality right like it's like tides it's like the only planet that Mm -hmm. astrology that science confirms like the astrology of i guess right so there we go maybe we should add the charts or something that was a lot of things um, it's interesting too how the 12th house is like so significant in her life yeah kind of like kicked her off and ended with the 12th brought her in and took her out That's all you need to remember from Dana's last spiel. Twelfth house brought her in and took her out. <laughs> also, that's so, a lot of death is significant, but I'll give you twenty nine reasons why it also isn't. <laughs> yes, true. So Frida had a lot of success as an artist during her lifetime, but it was after she died that she actually got most of her notoriety and fame. She started to get popular in the late nineteen seventies when her work was rediscovered by art historians and political activists. Her popularity eventually grew so much that by the 21st century, art and pop culture critics began calling it Freedomania. Yes, and she eventually became an icon for like a million different groups of people, and her face was everywhere. Her life was even adapted for the big screen in the 2002 Hollywood movie Frida starring Selma Hayek, which literally in this moment, I realized, well, not this moment, like two days ago, I always thought her name was Selma, oh. but it is Selma. Everyone knew that? I knew it, but that's because I like, love her so much. I, I think so. looked her up a lot. I think she's like the hottest woman in Hollywood. I love her old clothes in the 90s. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, she's I always, a 90s fashion sure. icon for sure. Yeah, I think of her in um, one of my favorite movies from Dusk Till Dawn. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino. Is that where she wears that bikini? And, like, walks around yeah, and, she's and, like, a, fire. she's a vampire, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's cool. Um. Anyway, back to Frida. What was going on when, you know, all these people were jerking for her again? Okay, so when the movie came out on October 25th, 2002, Jupiter is in Leo in her first house. And so Hello. this is, like, literally, like, the celebration <laughs> of her life. And also Jupiter, like... So her Jupiter is in Cancer in her natal chart. And so she had her Jupiter return in the year leading up, which probably was a lot of like publicity and, you know, decisions. And mm. so it's activating her natal Jupiter, which I see Jupiter transits and Jupiter activations a lot in the charts of dead people who suddenly are like brought back to life through memory and whatnot. Also, we have Saturn on her Venus-Pluto conjunction and like Saturn gets flack. I know. But Saturn is also commitment <laughs> and posterity. So it's like memorializing her life for like, you know, it's like cementing it. In a really significant way, obviously, because I'm not sure that I knew who she was before that film. Oh, I feel like she was always been like around until like someone 
pointed it out. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I like. Well, you were only 13 at the time, so you didn't have a lot of art history life that you were living. She made me feel really good about my unibrow for sure, I'm sure. Yeah. (laughs) Unibrow kids unite. (laughs) So today you could find Frida's paintings all over the world, but a recent exhibition of her at the Portland Art Museum um, has really brought all the critics to the yard. Um, great. People are now saying that she appropriated indigenous cultures in the way she painted and dressed. Wasn't she from Mexico? Yeah, her mom was like an indigenous Mexican woman. So she also was. What does appropriation mean? Indigenous. (laughs) I don't know either anymore. God. And also, like, her ancestry is like a big theme in her art. So it's not like she randomly did this once. Like, this is like a big part of her life. And also people are mad that, you know, she was, like, from a rich family and was, like, down for communism. Yeah, I mean, that's annoying for sure. But, like, what are we going to do? Cancel someone who's dead? Cancel the people who are alive and who are taking all of your money, you dummies. (laughs) Fucking what's wrong with you? Focus on things that matter and are happening now. You have so much energy and no focus. Portland needs to calm down. I feel like this is a plot line from Portlandia. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I I love Fred Armisen. Same. Even though he's mean. Even though he's appropriating hipster culture. (laughs) Yes. All right. Well, that's all we've got for Frida Land. She's the shit. And I'm sorry she was stuck with Fatty Diego her whole life. But (laughs) Fatty Diego. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We can't we can't body shame here. Um, we're celebrating fatness. He was great. (laughs) All right. Well, that's it for Frida. Next week, we'll be talking about the Hillsong Church scandal. Can't Fucking wait. Fucking pumped. A lot of Bieber's mentionings. Bieber mentionings. Bieber fever. Okay. All right. Well, with that, I'm Elise. I'm Dana. I'm Sarah. And this is Allegedly Astrology. Bye. Bye. Adios. <laughs> <laughs>